Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. All right, um, today's reading is from Micah, so we're kicking it old school today. Please bring it up on your, uh, on your uh, digital or, you know, otherwise, and I'll give you a few moments. Do we have a page? We do. Page 649. Very efficient over there, lads. Thank you. All right. Um, <clears throat> Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem Ephrath, though you are small along the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites." He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And then they will live securely, for then in his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace when the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses. We will raise against them seven shepherds, even eight commanders, who will rule the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod with drawn sword. He will deliver us from the Assyrians when they invade our land and march across our borders. The remnant of Jacob will be in the midst of many people like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass, which do not wait for anyone or depend on man. The remnant of Jacob will be among the nations in the midst of many peoples, like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among the flocks of sheep, which mauls and mangles as it goes, and no one can rescue. Your hand will be lifted up in triumph over your enemies, and all your foes will be destroyed." Um, The next one is Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, they they returned to their country by another route. Thanks very much, Nick. Can I encourage you to keep uh, turn back, actually, to Micah chapter 5. That would be a good place to be uh, as we um, start a little series which we're calling Riches to Rags, uh, a little three-week um, Advent series. Advent, sort of the lead-up to Christmas. Uh, so I don't know if you realise Christmas is pretty soon. Uh, we're in December. And uh, yeah, so we're in a, a little series called Riches to Rags uh, where we remember that God came for us. He came from the glory, from the riches of heaven into the brokenness, the mess 
of this world in order to rescue us and bring us to himself. Um, so that's what we're studying uh, through um, up until Christmas. Uh, that'd be great. Um, people have been mentioning Psalms this morning. Two weeks ago, we were in Psalm 62, and uh, I did say in the midst of that Psalm, if you could come up to me at the end of the gathering uh, and off by heart share Psalm 62 verses 1 to 2 with me, you would win a book. And I did broadcast this over our Slack, our sort of online church community you know, correspondence thing Oh, that the winner of the book was none other than Jackie. Um, so would you like to come forward, Jackie, and we'll have an official presentation. Um, come forward. I'm really doing this so that you know that I don't make false promises, right? So um, it's not so much about Jackie Week. No, well done, Jackie. There you go. Well done. There you go. Bow. There you go. Um, and it's also incentive that when I do that next time, I want like 20 people at the front going, Jacko, I know the verse. Um, anyway, no, we don't do that. I'm not doing it today either. Um, riches to rags. You know, I want to just get you to turn to the person next to you really quickly. Um, and I don't know, anyone here writing Christmas cards this year? Anyone? Yeah, like me, no one. Oh, no, a couple of people at the back. There you go. Um, just turn to the person next to you and, I don't know, just, it's a bit random, but say, you know, what would be your Christmas message this year? Um, after, you know, like 2020, which has been a pretty interesting, dare I say, a year, um, what would be your message if you're writing to, I don't know, your grandma, your granddad, your mum, your dad, Canada, you know, back home, friends back home, what are you going to say? Have a quick chat to the person next to you. What would be your Christmas message? Go, give you like two minutes, thereabouts. All right, I'll get you to uh, wrap up those thoughts. Um, with that in mind, uh, whatever you've shared, uh, shall we pray? Let's pray as we come to the word this morning. Father, we thank you and praise you for this new day. And thank you, Father, that you are not a God who is silent and far off, but you've spoken to us through your word and you've come near to us in your, in your son. Uh, we pray, Father, that as we uh, think upon this word this morning, inspired by your Spirit, that, Father, by your Spirit, through the word, we would see Jesus, we would hear Jesus, and we would love Jesus. Uh, set our hearts' affection, our minds' attention on the humility, the beauty, and the wonder of Jesus afresh this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I, um, I was chatting with a friend of mine, Greg, uh, who works for Corrections Victoria. Uh, so he uh, works amongst the prison system in Victoria. Uh, I was talking to him just this week, and he was telling me about how the prisoners at Her Majesty's Prison Barwon, or Barwon Prison in Victoria, um, were actually some of Victoria's most... Oh, there's a picture of it. Uh, where some of... Amer um, not America's... Um, Victoria's most kind of you know, dangerous offenders are kind of held. Uh, he was telling me about how um, all of the inmates at Barwon Prison were sent a card, a Christmas card, uh, by the officers. And the officers sent these Christmas cards just to remind all the inmates that even though it was Christmas, they were still being watched. That was the intention. Um, the, cards, the, cards were, um, the cards were handwritten, um, and hand-delivered to about 80 of these most dangerous criminals. And here's what they read. Thinking of you during this festive season and in the near ahead from all your friends at Barwon. 
Well, I wonder what would your Christmas message be? What was the message that perhaps you would share if you were different to me and actually you wrote something to somebody? I wonder what it would be. I start this way because Micah chapter 5 is a Christmas message from heaven. Uh, delivered through the prophet Micah, it's a, it's a Christmas message to the people of Israel and Judah from the living God. And his message is not a, you know, like a veiled threat, right? It's a message of wonderful encouragement. As a people, Judah, Israel, God's people needed encouragement. We're going to jump back into a time travel machine today. We're going to travel back 28 centuries this morning. It's around 700 BC, 700 years before Christ came. Uh, And we're in the tiny kingdom of Judah. There you go. There's a very detailed map. Um, So Mediterranean Sea on the left. Uh, You've got Israel in the north, uh, capital Samaria. Judah down south, capital is Jerusalem. You can see the Jordan River connecting the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Very complicated, right? Got that all across it? Very good. Okay. Um, God's people, the nation of Israel has kind of been divided. So you've got the northern area, which is Israel, the southern tribe of Judah. Um, Nationally, right, Judah is a really prosperous nation. And it's a nation where, you know, the rich in Judah are getting richer and richer, and they're actually getting richer, right, off the back of and at the expense of the poor. Uh, In Judah, right, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And on a larger scale, though, Judah, the nation at this time, is in turmoil. It's a mess. Um, Bearing down on Judah is a large and powerful neighbour, the Assyrian Empire, Um, Judah doesn't know kind of which way to go, which way to turn. They're all over the place. Every day in the newspapers, downtown Judah and Jerusalem, newspapers are reporting fear and uncertainty. Um, It's taking hold of the nation. Judah's government tries to work out its relationships with its powerful neighbour, Assyria. In its capital city, right, the the corridors of power are rife with rumours of political alliances and diplomatic deals being done all over the place. And the leadership in Judah, well, that's probably the biggest problem of all. Read through the book of Micah, which we can't do this morning, and you'll discover that there is a crisis of leadership at the highest levels. Does any of that sound familiar to you? One of the amazing things about the Bible, I reckon, is that when you read it, um, it's that you don't feel as if you're reading about people who lived you know, thousands of years ago, who had problems that only really ever occurred in antiquity. When you read the Bible, you come across people just like you and like me. Events and issues that still happen today. People with the same problems, countries with the same problems, same fears, same hopes. Well, into Judah and into their mess comes a word from the Lord himself. God sends his Christmas message. It's a message about Christmas that was utterly astonishing to those who received it. Now, whilst the leaders in Judah are fumbling around trying to work out what's the solution to fix all their problems, fix the mess, the Lord announces the answer. And the answer is found in one of the most unexpected places. If you've got your Bible open, have a look with me. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. The words will be on the screen as well. This word from the Lord to this nation, these people in a mess. The Lord says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, 
Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. But just for a moment, right, put aside those Christmas card images, you know, of Bethlehem, you know, where you've got, I don't know, clean shepherds. dazzling angels and a baby lying on fresh golden straw. Sort of put aside all those things because Bethlehem has a far longer history in the Bible than just this event. Bethlehem was was the birthplace of one of Israel's greatest kings, King David. Bethlehem had a noble history, right? Um, To hear that name would at times have evoked memories of God's promises to David that one of his descendants would rule on the throne forever. But by Micah's day, Bethlehem had become a sort of nowhere kind of place. You know, when Micah promised that God's king would be born in Bethlehem, most people in Judah would have been rumbling around trying to find a map in the top drawer of their desk to work out where on earth Bethlehem actually was. I think I've got a picture. Is there a picture? on? The... Yeah, there you go. There's Bethlehem. Very detailed again. Just a little bit south of Jerusalem. But people, you know, it's become a bit of a nowhere place by this time. People really not even sure where the place actually was. So God promises a king's going to come from Bethlehem. Everyone's going, where's Bethlehem? That's a bit of a backwater, isn't it? But you like promising that the next prime minister of Australia would be born in, I don't know, Ichunga. I mean, I can say that, right? Because does anyone know where Ichunga is? Yeah, a few people. Up in the Adelaide Hills. It's, you know, like, I can say that because I was kind of, that's where I grew up. Um, I don't know. Can you call what, here's an event. What happened in July 2013? What event happened in July 2013? Anyone know? Anyone? Here's a hint. Hey, Prince George was born. Um, that was the month that the, 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 the heir to the throne of England and the Commonwealth was born. His Royal Highness Prince George, there he is, looking resplendent. Um, he was born at St. Mary's Hospital, eight pounds, six ounces, son and heir of Prince William, Duke of Cambridge, and Catherine, Duchess of Cambridge. Um, his birth, right, had been announced like, I don't know, seven months in advance. And in, t- and in, t- in anticipation of his birth, um, apparently a Welsh composer wrote a lullaby for him called Sleep On, which was then performed and recorded by a New Zealand sort of operatic superstar. Um, to mark Prince George's birth, um, a bunch of things took place. Here's a little, here we go. Um, a commemorative coin was pressed at the Air Mint. Um, There were gun salutes. Uh, When he was born, the bells of Westminster Abbey, this massive church in London, were ringing, and that triggered bell ringing right across the UK. Um, After the street parties were finished and after the commemorative china had been washed and dried with the commemorative tea towels, um, you know, a final touch for the future king of England. He was baptised by the Archbishop of Canterbury using none other than water drawn from the River Jordan. There you go. Sounds like my birth. No, I mean, I mean that's, that's what you do, isn't it, for a future king. But in Micah chapter 5, it's not how the Lord acts towards the king. The God of the Bible has a habit of choosing the most unlikely people and the most unlikely places to fulfill his promises and plans. 
The living God doesn't choose as his king's mother a princess from the ruling house, but he chooses a peasant couple and a peasant girl from Nazareth. He doesn't choose to announce the birth to the great and the good of society. He chooses to announce the birth of the king to a ragtag bunch of shepherds on a hillside. He doesn't choose a palace in the capital Jerusalem for his son to be born. He chooses a shack in a place that had seen better days, a town called Bethlehem. I think that tells us a lot about the kind of God we follow. If you want to know what God is really like, you've got to start with a baby born in Bethlehem, a king in a cowshed. What do you think of when you hear the word God? I mean, maybe some people here this morning go, don't even believe he exists. Maybe, maybe for others, you know, we wonder, you know, if there really is a God, how could he allow all the suffering that we see in the world? Perhaps as an adult, you've never really thought of God at all. Maybe when you think of God, you think of some sort of, I don't know, angry God in the sky who's just watching and waiting for you to make a mistake and to then, you know, hit you with something. I don't know. But go to Bethlehem. Go to Bethlehem today. Go to Bethlehem this Advent and you'll see what the living God is really like. See, the God who reveals himself to the world in this little baby in Bethlehem isn't some you know, all-powerful and cold God that the philosophers kind of believe in. No, the real God is intensely personal. And he's not so far above, not so transcendent that we couldn't possibly know him. He comes so very close to us. He wants us to know him. Go to Bethlehem and you'll see what the living God is really like. His greatness is that he is humble. His glory isn't that he's so far removed, but that he lies in the arms of a teenage mother. He's a God for ordinary people. Oh yeah, absolutely. His origins are from old, from ancient times, Micah chapter 5 reminds us. But the one who thundered from heaven is crying in a cradle. He's born in a nowhere little place called Bethlehem. Well, I wonder what do you make of that? Micah lived 700 years before the first Christmas. Micah isn't making some, like, I don't know, vague prediction that you can twist or read things into like you might find when you crack open a fortune cookie or read your horoscopes in the advertiser, assuming they still print them these days. This is a specific prophecy and a most unlikely one. In the Old Testament, right, there are about 300 detailed prophecies about the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. And they're all written centuries before they even took place. Points to the fact that the Bible is God's word and that, brothers and sisters, we can trust it. Someone's calculated, right, that the chances of all the prophecies and the predictions of the, of the coming Christ actually taking place is about 1 in 10 to the power of 17. Now, I'm no mathematician, right, but that's like 1 in 10 with 17 zeros next to it. That's pretty big, right? Micah's writing 700 years before it even happens. 
In verse 1, right, he tells Jerusalem to brace itself. Chapter 5 of of Micah, uh, verse 1, he tells Jerusalem to brace itself because the city is going to be besieged. The king, its king will be attacked. Assyria is going to batter Judah. Another empire, Babylon, will come and conquer it. And because the people of Judah have turned their back on God, God will turn his back on them. And like a woman in labor, Judah will groan under the pains of God's judgment. That's verse 3. But then God's ruler will be born in Bethlehem. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord. And they will live securely, and for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. A few days ago, I was walking with my kids to school. Uh, we were looking at, we live in Prospect, we were walking down Prospect Road, and a whole bunch of the shops on Prospect Road have started to decorate their windows with Christmas stuff and trees and tinsel and things like that. And we were walking along and we were looking into the shop windows, and my three year old, Fletcher, uh, piped up and he said, Hey, Dad, when's Easter? <laughs> I mean, he's just left Christmas behind, right? He's moved on, he's, re- he's ready for Easter. I thought it was actually a really excellent question, but I'm thinking it had less to do with theology and more to do with chocolate eggs, right? I'm pretty sure that's what was going on. But he's right. We cannot separate Christmas from Easter. The king that God promises will be born in Bethlehem and God meets us in our deepest need. And our world, you would agree, is in something of a crisis right now. You know, our biggest crisis isn't that the human race, as a human race, we've decided to socially distance ourselves from the living God. And this is Micah's Christmas message. God's King, our Saviour, will come out of Bethlehem. He will be born, he will grow, he will live, and then he will die on a cross in our place. He will unlock the future that the world is longing for and it all begins in the humblest of places. In 1958, a painting called Salvatore Mundi was sold at auction for $90. This painting, right, was painted over so many times Um, It was thought to be the work of of one of Leonardo da Vinci's students. Uh, Then in 2005, a group of experts believed that what may lie beneath was not the work of a student, but the work of the master himself. So this group of experts bought the painting for $10,000, and sure enough, guess what? Their hunch was right. After they painstakingly scraped away all the uh, paint on the top, Da Vinci's masterpiece was revealed. In November 2017, what once changed hands for $90 was sold at Christie's Auction House in New York for $675 million. I mean, that just puts Bitcoin to shame, doesn't it? (laughs) Salvatore Mundi. Salvatore Mundi, of course, means what? the saviour of the world. And what happened to that painting has in many ways happened to the Christ of Christmas, the saviour of the world. Over the centuries, he's been painted over with so many layers that for many, the truth of Christmas is hidden. 
the most unlikeliest places, Bethlehem still hides the greatest treasure of all. I love this. This is written by perhaps one of the smartest human beings ever to live. It's a little extract from a sermon by a guy named Augustine around the turn of the fourth century. He writes this of the Jesus who was born to us in Bethlehem. He lies in a manger, but he holds the world in his hand. He is nourished at the breast, but he feeds the angels. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes, but he clothes us with immortality. He is suckled, but is adored. He does not find room in the inn, but he makes a temple for himself in the hearts of believers. Strength took on weakness, that weakness might become strong. Therefore, let us marvel at, rather than despise, his human birth. From one of the most unlikeliest places, Bethlehem, comes the saviour that we all need. I wonder if you've seen it. Bethlehem, it was nothing special to look at. It was one of the most ordinary places But in in it, down the centuries, millions have found God's promises through Micah to be true. Out of Bethlehem comes the saviour of the world from riches to rags in order to redeem us that we might be through Christ rich. And he will be our peace. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you this wonderful promise made so many years ago to the prophet Micah and we thank you Father that it wasn't a hollow promise but it was a promise that has been fulfilled by you in sending us this son out of such an unlikely place Bethlehem. Father thank you for this most beautiful and wonderful and encouraging reality Father, we praise thee that you are the God who works in extraordinary ways through ordinary people and places. Father, as we prepare our hearts to receive afresh our Saviour this Christmas, thank you for the reminder that you do indeed use ordinary people in ordinary places. And Father, help us as your people, Father, this Christmas, uh, to point people as we have opportunity to the wonder of Jesus. Father, we thank you that in a manger was born one who held the world in his hand and we thank you that he still holds us in his hands today. So Father, help us, we pray, to keep trusting Jesus, to keep living for Jesus and loving like Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.